Oh, with Christmas coming up just a few days away, I am trying to decide whether I am going to be nice to the New Orleans Saints or whether I'm going to be a Christmas Scrooge. The, the, the question I have is, do I tell the truth? Do I not tell the truth? Do I tell the truth? Do I not tell the truth? Because, you know, you, one doesn't go without the other. Let's find out which it is. Jeff Duncan and Uncle Big Nick coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends out there trying to ho-ho-ho their way to the mall to buy themselves a damn coat. It's going to be cold, boys and girls, and I mean cold. I ain't talking about no regular 42-degree cold. I'm talking about, like, icicles off your nose and crap. I mean, not going to be a white Christmas, but if you go outside and put a cup of ice water out there and you go back outside, it's still going to be ice water and when you go back out again, it's going to be flat out ice. <sighs> but I'm in a good mood this morning. Super good mood. I got some vacation time coming up after I get off this show, as a matter of fact. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the Advocate, and bet.nola.com. I am super cheery. You're not going to have Scrooge today. You cannot piss me off today. This is Datitude, episode number 127, for a Wednesday, a special Wednesday edition, December the 20, what is today? December the 21st, 2022. And yeah, I mean, vacations can do those sorts of things. You could be in a super good mood when you got vacation. Who gives a damn the Saints suck? It doesn't matter. It's Christmas. Will the Saints be in the giving mood? Or will they be in the taking mood? That is the question. Going up to Cleveland. Play the Browns. Nick Chubb. I wanna, what's the over-under on passes in that game? It's going to be like 6 degrees and a 30-mile-an-hour wind, and I'm not exaggerating. And that, that's not like 6-degree wind chill. It's like six degrees. Be like six degrees on on Saturday afternoon. It's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be ugly. Nobody's gonna want to be there. The fans aren't gonna want to be there. The players aren't gonna want to be there. The coaches ain't gonna want to be there. Andy Dalton's not gonna want to be there. Alvin Kamara's not gonna want to be there. But you'll be home watching it. So there you go. What am I gonna pick? Oh, that's coming up. Jeff Duncan is gonna join us. His normal Friday visit is coming up today because, as I said, I'm off. I'm not doing a show when I'm off. I mean, I'll think of you and I'll wish you all well, but I'm not doing a show when I'm off. 
taking a break. Um, and he, we're going to talk mostly Saints Browns. We sneak a little Pelicans in there. We also give a little a little verbal tribute to Franco Harris. If you haven't heard the news, uh, the Steelers' great running back, kind of a weird timing thing, uh, passed away last night at the age of seventy-two, just a few days before the. Steelers and Raiders are going to play on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Um, just odd that he passed away this week of all weeks. So um, our thoughts and prayers go out to Steeler Nation. And uh, Franco Harris is a wonderful football player. And it just goes to show how old I am because, uh, I mean, I was a kid, but I, I was growing up watching Franco Harris play. And so uh, that's I'm starting to feel old now. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he probably died a little bit before his time, maybe, but uh, he certainly wasn't a young man at age 72. It was hard to believe that he was that old. I I met him uh, about 20 years ago, very briefly, um, and he he looked just like he did when he played then. So um, sorry to hear that news this morning. Um, but Jeff Duncan's going to come on. We're going to talk about all those things. And then we're going to wrap up the show with Uncle Big Nick. Uh, he is back after a couple-week hiatus. He did mail in his picks. We read him on the air last week, but he's back. We're going to talk about his picks, about his time. He actually was in Las Vegas uh, for the Raiders and Patriots last week. His wife, Cindy, is a big Patriots fan. They were going to Vegas, and uh, they saw the just dumbest ending in the history of the NFL, in my opinion. Um, you could throw in there that not handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl for Seattle against those same Patriots was dumber. You could argue that point, and I wouldn't tell you you were wrong. I probably wouldn't tell you were right either, but in my opinion, the way that the Patriots game ended, now obviously significance is much less. And there's a good chance that no matter who wins that game or who loses, well, we know the Raiders won, so not if, but or possibilities. But even had the Patriots won, they're probably still not going to the playoffs. And the Raiders won, and they're not going to the playoffs either. They might think they have a shot, but they don't. Um, but still, just a wacky ending. We'll talk about that, uh, and we'll have our five best bets of the week. Uncle Big Nick has some bowl games, some pro games. I have all pro games I usually do. I had a bounce-back week after... Uh, luckily, we didn't have any picks because I was on a, a, a mini break two weeks ago. And um, so we never got to our best bets. A good thing we didn't because my NFL picks column stunk that week. Woo! Stunk to high heaven. So anyway, I got lucky. Didn't have picks there. Uh, but we're going to have that in the show. And the very last thing, we're going to have my outro and my song of the day. You're going to have to wait a while to get to it unless you, you cheat and use that fast forward button I'm not advising you to do that by any means but uh, you know we're going to go out with a Christmas song so what Christmas song are we going to go out with today that is the question and to me there's only one that fits we'll find out which one that is but let's get the dunk let's get this thing started and then we'll be back to introduce Uncle Big Nick Dunk what's going on this morning not much a little late start my apologies uh scrambling around trying to get extra coffee I couldn't even get my second cup of coffee so i'm not going to be quite as sharp as i need to be for oh man pod. well uh, everybody needs a second cup of coffee 
coffee. I only had one myself. Uh, hello, Jerry. We're going to show you first. Thank you for joining us as we will all see. Uh, Jerry says the game's on CBS. Jerry, Jerry says the game's on CBS. I will check that to make sure, and I'm sure he's right because when he says that, uh, last time he corrected me, he was correct. So I'm going to take his word for it. And uh, so ignore the graphic that it's on Fox. It's on CBS. Aspen Angel says, yay. Um, and Jerry also, uh, Doug Mouton told me several weeks ago that it was going to be on CBS when they switched the game. I just assumed it was going to be Fox. That's what you get for assuming. You know how that goes. All right, uh, Dunk, we're going to start off this morning not talking about the Saints. I uh, just learned like five minutes before I went on the air here that Franco Harris passed away at age 72, kind of a, an odd time, uh, not odd, but yeah. uh, an interesting time for him to pass away as they're about to hold the, the 50th anniversary of the Macular reception, Steelers and Raiders, on uh, Saturday night. And, um, you know, I, I actually got to meet Franco one time. I'll talk about that. But I know you, you grew up in an area where there probably were tons of Steelers fans. Yeah, and um, that obviously is, you know, I was really young when that happened, but it was still, to this day, one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. And I got to meet Franco Harris when uh, the last Super Bowl we had here. He was part of some of the legend uh, group that at one of the events I was at. He could not have been a nicer person. I mean, really, really smart guy and uh, loved New Orleans. So really sad to hear that news today. Interesting you say that because uh, I got to meet him briefly uh, before Super Bowl 36, I believe, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, which was in New Orleans, and I was assistant sports editor back then. Um, and uh, I'm not going to speak ill of anyone, but he wasn't as kind to me. I'll just put it put it, put it that way. But, uh, you know, it's funny, though, because I grew up being a – the Saints were so bad, you had to have a second team when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, everybody had a second team growing up. and. Mine at the time, it's funny how I lost that because I'm actually more fond of the Steelers now than I am of my second team, which at the time was the Dallas Cowboys. So I loved Roger Staubach. And uh, I loved Tom Landry, and I loved the way the Cowboys played football. And so at least the Cowboys were in the playoffs every year, won a Super Bowl here and there. Uh, but I grew out of that quickly when when Jerry Jones uh, unceremoniously fired Tom Landry. I just didn't think you fired Tom Landry. But, uh, you know, so back then, Dunk, as you well remember, in the 70s, the, even though they weren't in the same conference, the Steelers and the Cowboys were, were big rivals because they met often in the Super Bowl. Yeah, those were the dominant franchises, the Raiders as well. But Raiders, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, pretty much, pretty much Cowboys, Steelers. And, you know, I, as, as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, uh, we've got a ton of those guys in the Hall of Fame. When you look at those teams, yeah. it's amazing how many, like, all-time greats we're on those Steelers teams, Franco Harris being one of them. Uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw, obviously, from, from Louisiana Tech and Shreveport. Uh, so, yeah, they were the dominant franchises, and the Steelers to this day, I think, are still kind of uh, – they still embody, the, the you know, the playing style, the mindset of those old Steelers teams from the 70s that kind of forged, uh, you know, a legacy that is endured in the, in the league to this day. I mean, that – those teams, those big, huge shoulder pads and guys that wearing the neck rolls. I mean, uh, NFL Films was made because of those Steelers and, and Raiders and Cowboys teams. You know, it's hard to believe, Dunk, and I know we're getting old, but um, that doesn't seem like that long ago. And watching Franco Harris play and Terry Bradshaw and Mean Joe Green and all those guys and 
just to hear the 50th anniversary. I know I was, a, I was a little kid 50 years ago. I was only four years old then. but So I don't remember the Immaculate Reception itself, but I remember all those guys playing together. Um, and to think that, that Franco Harris was 72 years old um, and just crazy. I mean, to think that Franco Harris was 72 years old. So it's not like he died a young man. I mean, he probably died a little before his time. I mean, and I'm not sure, you know, I had the, didn't have the sound up because we're about to go in the air here. So I'm not sure what he passed away of. And I didn't know if he was sick or anything. But it just goes to show, I mean, man, we're, we're getting old if, if these kind of guys are, are passing away. Well, and I think, let's, let's be honest. I mean, I think when those guys played back in that time, uh, the game took a toll on them. Yeah, you don't for sure. a lot of guys uh, living from those eras very long, unfortunately. No doubt. I, mean, I, I can tell you this from doing – I did a story for the Times-Picayune on the 40-year anniversary of the 1967 Saints team, the first Saints team, right? So that would have been, what, 2007, I guess? Yeah. Uh, I did the story, and it was um, staggering how many of those players had passed away. And that was, you know – a long time ago. Uh, they just did not, a lot of them died in their 50s and early 60s. Uh, players, I think the, the game was so brutal back then. We didn't know as much about, you know, sports science and medicine and the players. Um, it took a toll. And I see it even to this day with the great Archie Manning. I mean, uh, you know, Archie, yeah. uh, you know, he's basically struggling to get around because of different injuries he had where he had to have late surgeries in his life and that has taken a toll on him uh, all those all those years of getting pounded on the superdome turf that hard astro turf um you know and i think even not to go on a tangent here but i, I think we're going to look back even on this modern turf this modern field turf i think eventually that's all going to go away because they're realizing that, that, that that's not even as safe as obviously natural grass yeah, Datitude here on a Wednesday morning instead of a Friday. Again, I'm going to be going on vacation for about five or six days during the Christmas break. So we are doing the show early this week. I will be off on Friday. We'll be back to our regular schedule after. We're not going to have a Monday Datitude. Uh, but if you just join and watch the live shows, we'll be back on Friday uh, next week before the Saints-Eagles game. Um, and if you're just joining us, we're talking about Franco Harris, who I just found out passed away. Was it? Was it late last night, Dunk, or was it this morning? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, I think it was late last night. The news just broke this morning. Okay. Um, so if you want to leave your comments or questions, as Jerry's done here, as Angel has done, um, you are more than welcome to either on our YouTube or Facebook channels. If you want to leave us a note on Twitter, you're going to have to uh, tweet at me, at Jim Derry Jr. We'll get your uh, comments on the air uh, here. Or we should be on the air until at least – 10 o'clock, maybe a couple minutes after. That's how Duncan and I usually roll. Uh, we, we roll until we don't have anything else to say. Um, and that's where we, So we're going to get into Saints-Browns this morning. And as we do, Dunk, um, you know, it, it's, you look at all the weird things that happened last Sunday. Um, and just the weird things that involved the, the NFC South. And I had a lot of people ask me, okay, so what are, do the Saints have a chance now? And the answer is, well, of course, they are mathematically alive, but they're really not much all that much better off. The only, the only thing you could say about them winning this past Sunday and everyone else in the NFC South losing is that they're still mathematically alive because had they not done that, they would not be. They still need Tampa Bay to lose all but one game, uh, and they're going to need 
Carolina, I think, to, to lose another one besides the one that they play them in. Um, so it's kind of a tough situation. So I, I put it this way. I said their, their, their odds improved from 1% chance to a 2% chance. So we're saying they have a chance. <laughs> yeah, and look, I mean, it's pretty bleak. I, I think I think it helped, obviously, when you saw the Bucks get out to that 17-0 lead, uh, you know, and then just completely implode in, in the second right. half of their game against the Bengals. I think that gave a little spark to people just because it looked really bleak when Tampa got that big lead. Uh, Carolina obviously kind of blowing one at home to uh, Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. So it's like no one wants to win the division, Jim. I mean, it's it's who's going to be left standing in this awful division. And unfortunately, the Saints, while I think they've got a chance to win at least two of these final three games, um, you know, the, the, there's just so many bad teams left on the schedule. for The, the Bucks play the Arizona Cardinals. I think Carolina might still have a game left with the Cardinals and the Cardinals are down to their third string quarterback. Yeah, they packed it in. Their GMs, you know, off the field having issues. So uh, I don't see it happening, uh, unfortunately, for the Saints. I think more importantly, it's it's how do they finish the season on the field? How do they play? Uh, the playoffs are really a, a Hail Mary. I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, we saw the effort and the energy that they played with against the Falcons. Now, can they carry that over? To this week that that's been the issue they they've had a few games this year where they got it all together played well the Rams game the Raiders game the Seahawks game they they rise up and then the next week it doesn't carry over and so that's what I'm interested to see this week what's more important to degenerate like me is my bet is still alive it's it's mathematically it's about as alive as the Saints playoff hopes but the Saints need to win more than seven and a half games which means they need to win out they need to beat the Browns, Eagles, and Panthers. And I am a little bit richer come January the 8th. It ain't going to happen. All right, I'm not silly. <laughs> well, I mean, the good news is we don't know how hurt Jalen Hurts is. And um, if, he do- if he doesn't play, they certainly can beat Gardner Minshew because I didn't realize, you know, people talk about how, how good a backup is, and we're going to go off tangent here for just a second, but People love Gardner Minshew, and, and I even heard people say maybe he could be the Saints quarterback. Then I looked up his record, and I know he played for a bad football team in the Jags, but he's 8-16 and 16 in his career. That's not good. I mean, if you can't figure out the math, that's not very good. And he lost. He got started with a good Eagles team last year with Jalen Hurts missed the, the last two games of the year. He played against Dallas last year and lost by, like, 25 points. That's not good. He's not good. So, Saints fans, I know things have been bleak at the quarterback position, but not that bleak. You don't want to bring in another guy like that when we don't, by week six, we're talking about the Saints don't have a quarterback. So, I mean, yeah, it's hard like, to he's basically like another, another Andy Dalton's what he is. So, I'm 100%. Sure. Yeah, he doesn't even run. I thought he ran that's, a little that's bit. A huge upgrade, you know, but here's the thing the Eagles is it's a very interesting scenario that's playing out here because if the Eagles were to go into Dallas and beat Dallas this week, they clinch everything in the NFC. They clinch right. home field advantage, number one seed. They really don't have to play their starters against the Saints. So suddenly that game could open up if the Saints were to win against the Browns, which I think they definitely can, and then the Eagles were to beat the, the Cowboys. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, the Cowboys are almost 
seven point favorites because of the boy did they they lose a big one last week and they're going to be salty right they're going to be yeah salty so i would think dallas is a heavy favorite in that game especially at the quarterback six. situation six point fit well actually it was down to five uh going into this morning but the point um, is the eagles are going to need to win if they lose to the cowboys they need that saints game they because right. they have to hold off minnesota so uh you know, I don't think they – even with Gardner Minshew, I don't see the Saints winning that game. They, you know, I just would be shocked. I mean, their their offensive line is dominant. They can run the ball with Miles Sanders. They've got a really good defense. Uh, that's a difficult place to play. That would The Saints will be huge underdogs in that game. They also need one more win to put away the Minnesota Vikings to in the race for the number one seed, which is more important than ever last year and this yes. year, because now when you get that number one seed, you're the only team in your conference that has a bye. Remember, it used right. to be uh, one, number one, and number two, but not anymore. Only only the number one seed gets a bye. So the Eagles will be playing for that. So if they lose to the Cowboys this week, they will be fighting hard next week. Look, beyond all that, um, let, let's just focus on, on one week at a time. We can talk about uh, – because, look, when the Saints are mathematically out of it, we're going to talk – Saints, whoever they play, but we are also going to focus a little bit on the NFL scenario, um, something we're probably not uh, ready to do 100% just yet. And that leads me into Saints and Browns. Are you going to Cleveland this weekend, by the way? No, I actually got out of it. Good <laughs> for you, crazy. my friend. Supposed How'd to go, but, but um, not having to go now. I mean, it looks like it's going to be the coldest game in the it history is. of the Saints franchise. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Nothing even close, really. Uh, so they'll be, I mean, we're looking at windshield factors below zero. They've never played in a game that cold. So spending really? Christmas Eve, even though I love my job, and look, I, the, the one thing that I, that did stand out was I've never been to this new Cleveland stadium, so it was kind of one I wanted to check off my list. I've been to every stadium in the league except for SoFi, the new Raiders stadium, and this Cleveland stadium. So I kind of wanted to check that off. And look, I, you, you mentioned earlier about growing up in Louisville and, and the Pittsburgh. Actually, I grew up being a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, really? When I came to, yeah, when I came to New Orleans, I, I really learned to relate to Saints fans because at the time, uh, you know, the Saints hadn't won a Super Bowl. They had this passionate fan base. They were frustrated. <laughs> and it reminded me so much of being a Browns fan. I mean, the Browns came so close all those years. The fumble, the drive, you know, Brian Sipes interception. Brian the Browns Sipe. have never been in the Super Bowl, ever. Not even been in it. Uh, you know, and they're one of the original franchises. And they, the other thing that's a parallel, J.D., is they've never been able really to solve the quarterback issue in Cleveland. Reminded me so much when I first moved here before Breeze got, uh, you know, took over and, and uh, you know, changed the course of the franchise the Saints' frustrations with finding a franchise quarterback. So right. I think they have a lot in common, the two fan bases. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Browns, and other than Brian Sype, Bernie Kosar, I mean, I'm not sure that I can tell you a Cleveland quarterback before, like, years ago. I'm trying to think back. I mean, not well, of them stick out. Well, they had Otto Graham. Otto Graham was like a star. Oh, that's that was like right. That's before, yeah, that's before my time. And that, yeah. so that means it's a long time ago. It's before my time. But, uh, yeah, the Browns are in a similar – Browns have never been in the Super Bowl. Lions have never been in the Super Bowl. Hard to believe. Those, those original NFL franchise teams never been in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Browns were so Super close. Bowl. That was what 
that was what was the so drive, cool. the Elway drive. Oh my gosh, the drive. I mean, the Brian Sop. I mean, those were just some of the most heartbreaking losses in the history of the NFL. Uh, you know, John Elway just sticking it to them. So their fans are very passionate. That's football country. They have great support. That game's going to be, I think, a defensive slugfest. That, oh, you know, whoever can make one big play probably on offense will probably win the game because I think it's going to be a field position battle. It's going to be so cold. Uh, but I think the oh. Saints have a great shot. I mean, this is a team they can beat because they, they play a very similar style. Here's a stat for you uh, as we show the totals here. Spread is uh, as of this was late last night. I did not check this spread this morning. The Browns were two and a half point favorites. You got to lay 120 though to get that two and a half, which means they think it's about a field goal. It it was three for much of the week. Uh, the, the look ahead line was three. It was three until like late afternoon yesterday. I went two and a half minus 120, which tells me it's probably going to go back to three. So if you want to bet on the Browns, now is your time. It's not going to stay two and a half. I promise you, money line on the Saints plus 130, which means if you want to bet on the Saints just to win, it's $100. You get 130 back if you win. Now, here's the interesting thing. For those of you that don't bet that often or don't bet at all, you see that total 32? What that means is the lines makers have put a number on this, on this game. They think there will be 32 points. That's the number you can bet on. 32 points scored in this game. If you want to bet... The under, and that number is usually somewhere around 40 to 45 for a high-scoring game. It can be as high as 50 or 52, 53 in the NFL. 32 is so low, Jeff Duncan, that if it stays 32 or goes lower, there are only 10 other times in Saints history since they started keeping track of this in 1979 that they have had a total of 32 or fewer. In fact, it would be the first time since 1993 that the Saints have played in a game where the total going into the game was at 32 or fewer. If it goes to 31 and a half, it would be only the sixth time in Saints history that they have played with a total that low. So, And the Browns have only played in seven games in their history, and they've played a lot of snow and a lot of junk and a yep. lot of they, – they've, they've, they've often been running teams and have good defenses – so the Browns have only done it seven times where they've had a total going into the game of 32 or fewer. So that is extremely low, and it shows you how nasty it's going to be in Cleveland on Saturday. Well, again, I think more important than the actual sub-zero temperatures is the wind. I mean, yeah. the stadium is right up there on Lake Erie. Uh, the winds are projected to be, like, sustained around 25, 30, even up to 40 miles per hour. So passing is going to be difficult. The kicking game is going to be affected. Uh, it's going to be uh, nasty. You're right. That's the perfect word for it. And But I think the Saints team is kind of built for these kind of games, defensive-minded. They can, they, you know, now they're going to lose Cesar Ruiz. We saw that news saw yesterday. That. Yep. Finally got their offensive line back intact last week. They played very well against Atlanta. And then, of course, they lose Ruiz. We don't know what that injury was. It looks like something to his foot. Uh, but he's on IR, so he's out. So they're going to have to shift around the offensive line. Um, we might finally see Trevor Pinning. I'm interested to see what they do uh, with that opening. If they move Pinning into guard or play him at left tackle and move Hurst over to guard. I, or say, I think Hurst is more likely to move to guard, don't you think? I would think uh, if they do that, or they could just keep everybody intact, keep Pinning in his role as the sixth offense, you know, sixth lineman 
and then move in like Calvin Throckmorton right. or somebody there uh, that's got a little more experience. It, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. But having said all that, the Saints should be able, uh, you know, to be in this game just because the Browns are, uh, you know, even with Deshaun Watson back, their offense has really struggled. They're obviously a very heavy run team, and the Saints still, uh, even though I know they gave up a lot of yards last week to, to the Falcons, they're still a good run defense. So it'll be a test for them. You have about 20 or 20 to 30 minutes to get in your comments or questions here on Datitude Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitter, you can do that easily by just typing in the comments, and it shows up on our stream, and I show it on the screen, and uh, you're more than welcome to, even if it's just a comment, you're more than welcome to say hello. If you want to do it on Twitter, at Jim Derry Jr. is where you'll find me. I'll also read that on the air. Um, so you're saying that it is not, you know, I have Jalen Hurts, no one, and then no one cares about your fantasy team department. Um, I have Jalen Hurts, okay? He's carried me to the semifinals. So this is not a good week to have Jalen Hurts being hurt, and then potentially next week in, in the championship game or the, the consolation game, God forbid. Um, but So you're saying it would not be a good week to use Andy Dalton as a replacement? I don't think so. No, this is not a game for Andy Dalton. <laughs> not in this wind and cold. You know, it's going to be interesting. The Saints are going up early. I think it'll be interesting to see if they try to get in a workout up in Cleveland on, on Friday, the day before the game. I bet they do. Uh, I know they're going to practice outdoors this week here in New Orleans to try to get, you know, adjusted. But let's face it, no one, even the Browns, aren't going to be comfortable in that kind of weather. I mean, that that's yeah, right. get down below zero. I don't care who you are, you're not going to be comfortable. So As Jerry points out, he's uh, pulled up the weather forecast for us. High 12, <laughs> low 5 with a 30-mile-an-hour wind and possible Snow. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna pass. Uh, I'm gonna pa- good move of getting out of that. By the way, I don't know how you yeah. work that, but uh, probably the same way I work getting out of doing uh, some of the home games that I was supposed to do here towards the end of the road, and I, I ended up getting out of that. Well, look, um, our our uh, two beat writers, Taryn Walk and and uh, Luke Johnson, both are Wisconsin natives, so they should be fine. They're like penguins; they should be adaptable to this weather. I'm not yeah. Southern boy. Taryn, maybe because she's still super young, but you know what happens to people that I've learned, and you're one of them, okay? What I've learned is when people move to New Orleans, one of my best friends is from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, lived there the first 22 years of his life. I've never heard anyone bitch about cold more than this guy, okay? I mean, you grew up where right now it is like it's going to be like two degrees on Sunday, and you're bitching because it's going to be 35 degrees here. I mean... Yeah, but it's it's way colder, and I can't. My body can't take it. I mean, you're probably one of the. I mean, you had you had days where you walked outside and went to school, and it was like 15 degrees outside. I mean, you're one of those that hate just hates the cold, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, we got a wet cold down here, so it's it's, it's a wet more cold. of a bone chilling cold, very much like Chicago. I mean, when when it gets in the 40s, as you know, in New Orleans, man, it it's cold. It was cold last night. I was out in the quarter with some friends and. Man, it you was, ain't seen nothing yet. It was in the fifties, and it was yeah, cold. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and my sister lives in Massachusetts. She comes home, and when she comes home in the winter, and like you just came home from like eight inches of snow. What are you, What are you crying about? Well, look, and the other thing I would say that, that you know look, these houses here, at least you know I live in uptown. Yeah, they, they're old different. Shotgun. They're not made to. They're made to be cool yeah. for the summer. That's right. So, you know, you got these thin walls. You got raised raised floors. 
you know, high ceilings, everything, everything's made to be to cool in the summer. So it's not, they're not made to stay warm. Well, anyone who's listened to me over the past however many years knows I like to talk about the weather. I really think I should have been a meteorologist because I, I do talk about the weather a lot. It's just something that I do. So What happens when you start getting old, man? It, well, I did it when I was young, too. So I, I thought I was Nash Roberts. I used to, <laughs> like, get me a little bored and draw my own. I know how to draw a hurricane symbol, you know, because I used to practice it. I wanted to be just like Nash Roberts. Instead, I'm like Jeff Duncan. So that's what I grew yeah. up to. To be, I mean, you, you know, the wrong path, my friend. I def- most certainly did because look in sports betting, you have to be right at least 55% of the time, or no one with any respect pays any attention to you. In meteorology, you can be right like 25, 30% of the time. You're like, wow, that guy's Bob Rack. He knows what he's talking about. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly took the wrong path. Let's get back to football. Saints, Browns. Um, all right. So one of the things you said, I find interesting, I'm gonna put this graphic on that, that I like to show every week. And it's here's what I don't like. And I don't want to give my pick away just yet. But here is there is one stat against stat that absolutely jumps out to me in a cold weather game. And here's why I think the Saints are in a lot of trouble this week. You look at rushing defense for the Saints, 23rd in the NFL. They gave up 139 yards and a touchdown to some dude named Tyler Algier last week. And this week they're going up against the fifth ranked rushing offense that I think is actually better than fifth because Nick Chubb, I'm not sure how they're going to stop Nick Chubb. And this game might be over in two and a half hours because it's going to be run, 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 run. Let's run it and get the hell out of here. Uh, you know, the name of the podcast, Datitude, that, that's what the Saints are going to have to have. I mean, it's going to be about their attitude. It's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable. And we know exactly what uh, Cleveland's going to try to do. Uh, with Nick Chubb, uh, you know, the Deshaun Watson has not really kind of found his groove yet in the passing game. They don't have a lot of vertical threats. So it's pretty simple, and the Saints are going to have to – and that's what Atlanta did. I mean, Atlanta couldn't really pass the ball down the field at all with Desmond Ritter. Yeah. They didn't try. Everybody knew what they were going to do. But, look, I also think that's a little misleading in that Falcons game because the Saints were playing for a lot of the game with a double-digit lead. So they were kind of willing to sit back in their base defense, let them run the ball. They would give up those four- and five-yard chunks, and they were just grinding time off the clock. Now, it almost came back to haunt them, but I think they were willing to give that up, and they got – I couldn't believe how many first downs the Falcons got by, like, this much. They were they were getting, like, four yards and three, and then it would be, like, third and three, and they'd get three yards and an inch, and they just – they were willing to kind of methodically do that, and those yards ended up adding up. But I think the Saints were fine with it because it was taking a lot of time off the clock. They weren't giving up that that explosive quick strike play. So a little misleading to me, but I was actually came away. You sounded a little derogatory about about Tyler Allgaier. All- All- I think it is. Uh, that guy's good. He's going to be a good player in this league. He was a fifth-round pick out of BYU. He's going to be good. This time last year, he was wondering probably if he would even be drafted. And he had a good – he did have a good – I was joking about people don't know who he is because I actually knew who he was last year because I, I actually paid attention as we go in the draft, and I knew a lot about him. So I'm, I'm joking in that aspect. But uh, he had a very good end of the season. I think he rushed for thirteen or 1,400 yards last year at BYU and was a good back. But still. He's uh, not he Nick did, Chubb. Put it that way. He's not Nick Chubb is kind of my point. 
And the fact that the uh, Falcons were able to kind of do what they want on the ground when you knew that that's what they were going to do. Um, Cordell Patterson didn't have as good of a day, um, but I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a little worrisome to, to wonder what they do because we know what the Cleveland Browns game plan is. And here's another thing that worries me. And you could tell me that I'm wrong. I, I, I would love for you to tell me that I'm wrong. I always love when people tell me I'm wrong. But uh, another matchup, rushing offense against rushing defense. Well, I mean, the Saints don't run the ball very well, but the Browns don't stop the run either. So 21st against 25th. Here's my biggest problem with that, though. Dumb. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm wrong. Alvin Kamara looks just, I'm going to be nice and say disinterested. Okay, or he looks like his mind is elsewhere. And so if his mind has been elsewhere in the 72-degree Caesar Superdome, it's about 62 up at the top in the press box, but 72 on the field in the Caesar Superdome, what's he going to do when it's 8 degrees in Cleveland? Is he going to care then? Yeah, maybe this is where we see the Eno Benjamin signing or, Uh you know, come in because, look, I I think he played with – some good energy last week, but there just wasn't anything there. I mean, I don't know what the deal is, why they can't seem to open up. He, he, he did a little better, a little more. Uh, they, you could tell they were trying to get Alvin Kamara involved. They used yes, him on they a did. jet sweep. They lined him up outside. They were moving him around a lot. There was obviously a concerted effort to try and get him the ball in space, and it, it, it was marginal at best, the yeah. results. So, look, he's got to play big this week. I mean, behind him, and we saw David Johnson came in and coughed the ball up. Oh, God. Awful fumble. That was brutal. It wasn't even a strip. He just lost it. Uh, and, uh, you know, Benjamin, I don't know if he's ready to play yet or not. The Saints put a lot of a lot of pressure on their backs to make reads, you know, quickly at the line of scrimmage on pass protection and things like that. I don't know if they're willing to just throw Benjamin out there yet or not because there's just a lot on their plate. Yeah. I think they probably will, though. I mean, what do they have to lose, really? I mean, if you're in the grand scheme of things, I mean, what could you possibly have to lose here? I think there's a good chance that he will be out there. I think everyone that runs the football is going to be used because, quite frankly, unless they're just losing and they have no other choice and losing badly, I mean, you're not, I don't think Andy Dalton's going to throw more than 15 to 18 passes. Right. No, I think it's going to be – look, I, I, I wanna, I'm curious to see how the Browns handle this offensively. Uh, Watson has not, you know, he's gotten a little incrementally better every a week, a little more comfortable, but he's not putting up big numbers. No. Look, they, don't, they don't have a lot of great outside threats. They, they go to the tight end a lot. Uh, but I would think just looking at it as, as objectively, they would have a little better chance to pass the ball. They're probably a little more used to it than the Saints do, even though I know Andy Dalton played in Cincinnati, he's played in Chicago. Uh, I would I would think that the Browns practicing up there every day uh, in Berea are going to be able to pass the ball a little bit better. So I, I think that this game favors the Browns. I I think the line's probably spot on. You you can't prepare like you said earlier. You just can't <laughs> prepare for this. I mean, no one can. I don't care. Maybe Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Maybe Josh Allen. He seems to thrive in it a little bit. And to some extent, like a Justin Fields, because it doesn't matter what the weather is because he just runs the ball all around. Maybe those three guys, and to some extent Tom Brady, because he did for throughout his career, he's seen just about everything. But uh, it is hard to prepare for something like this, something you talk about it's never happened in the history of the Saints franchise. Look, I know they play in the Dome, 
But, uh, you know, you go on the road, and I remember some cold games. They played in Pittsburgh one year to, to clinch the, the division or clinch a winning season for the first time in team history. It was super cold that game, I remember. There were some other games where uh, where they played in snow games. Doesn't happen a whole lot. But uh, to say that it's the first time it's ever happened in a 55-year history of a franchise is saying something. So I just don't think anybody can be prepared what they're going to go out and, and face on Sunday, a uh, Saturday in the elements uh, of, of Cleveland, Ohio. And look, I don't think either team really, I mean, the Browns are kind of in a similar boat playoff wise. I don't think they've been officially eliminated, but yeah. they're pretty much, yeah, they're, like out. The Saints. Yeah, they're pretty much like the Saints. So, uh, you know, you're not facing a team that has to have the game, but this game is going to come down to simple. I think want to, you'll use the less miles line, you know, what's your want to, because uh, you're going to have to really be motivated to play in these conditions. Uh, you know, and that's why I think it'll be interesting to see how the Saints come out because they, they definitely were motivated against Atlanta last week. They played very inspired football. They almost gave it away. You know, Luke Johnson wrote a very good story about some of the problems that we've seen chronically with this team this year of, of getting a lead and then just kind of starting to lose focus and making mistakes, not putting the opponent away and almost came back to haunt them again on Sunday. We saw games like this twice against the Bucks, also yeah. against the Bengals, where the Saints had leads and couldn't hold off the opponent. And, uh, you know, that almost that, – look, if, if they don't poke that ball out right there, uh, they, it didn't look They're good. not going to win. Yeah, yeah, if they don't poke the ball out at the bare minimum, bare minimum it's going to overtime because young way Koo's not going to miss a 40-something-yard right. field goal. I mean, even right. – even if they don't poke the ball out there and then they go three and out from there, Young Way Koo is going to make that field goal. It's going to go into overtime, and I don't think the Saints are going to win in overtime. So the Saints probably don't win. So another case of the opposite of Sean Payton, not finishing strong. I know some, there are some people that don't want to hear Sean Payton's name anymore and don't want to compare Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen hates being compared to Sean Payton, I'm sure, but too bad. That, that, the legacy of this franchise I mean, we realize how much you miss, whether Dennis Allen is, he just happens to be the guy that follows Sean Payton, and I know no one is going to be that. But one team, one characteristic that Saints teams had under Payton was finishing strong. And this team has had chances to win other games. If you think about, and, and, and you can play, people don't want to play the what-if game, but some people can't help think about it. You think about what, how this season would be different right now had 10 minutes of a game going differently in Tampa Bay. If they win that game, and, and I mean, their odds of making the playoff go from like 2% to probably like 60 to 65% because they are now the overwhelming favorites to win this division. Because not only would they be six and, what is it, six and seven? Oh, they'd be right now instead of, no, six and eight, I guess. But Tampa Bay would only have five wins, and they'd have the tiebreaker over them. So the Saints would be in position that Tampa Bay's in right now had they just held on and won that damn game. And the, the fact that they can't finish is, is a major problem. Well, to me, the, the, what I see a difference, and, and again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to bring up Sean Payton because that's, that's can't what – help it. Yeah, it's the standard that we've all seen here uh, for the last decade and a half. The difference I see is is that the the standard that he holds the team to the that's right the, you know the I think they're now up to twenty four false start penalties. Yeah, There's no way 
Sean Payton would allow that to happen. Uh, players would have a lot more focus. They would, I think, have a lot more fear about, you know, sometimes, you know, instilling fear in people is not a bad thing. And I think uh, Sean Payton, his attention to detail and what he forced his staff, how he forced them to, to hold a high standard and set the bar, uh, we're just not seeing it on a day-in, day-out basis or a game-in-game-out basis with this team. And those little things, the false starts, all of a sudden, I mean, what was it the other day? They had a second and uh, an inch and ended up fourth yeah. and 17. Uh, that's just awful football, and it's it's the stuff that's haunted this team all year. And I think it's not just a reflection on the coaching staff, but also a reflection on the leaders on this team that have let this this coaching staff down because they're not – setting the standard on the field and and i don't know again i've said this a hundred times i don't know how that changes with with dennis allen in charge and i I, i'm not i'm not rooting for again i've also said this not rooting for anybody to be fired i've been fired over the last 11 years three times and i'm like a cockroach i keep coming back they keep bringing me back so I, i know what it's like to not have a job and i get it's different from dennis allen who probably has enough money to live the rest of his life but um, it's no fun whether you have money or don't have money to be fired. So I don't don't root root for anyone uh, to to be fired. But man, I just don't know how that mentality that you just talked about. I don't know how that changes with Dennis Allen in charge. But we're gonna find out because I'm with you. I'd be shocked if he's fired. Um, I think there will be major changes to this coaching staff. I think Pete Carmichael is probably gonna resign. I don't think he wanted that job in the first place. Um, and I think there'll be other changes, especially in offense. But um, Dennis Allen's not going anywhere unless something crazy happens. And, st- again, stop putting the Sean, – Sean Payton may be coming back. He might come back to coaching, but he's not coming back to New Orleans. He knows what he left in the first place. Bill Leota says the Saints should have been at least a 10-game winner this season on paper. Dennis Allen and his coaching staff are clearly to blame. He needs to go. I mean, I, again, he's not going anywhere, Dunk. I'm sh- I'm I'm almost certain you're in agree with me that he will be the coach next September on the sideline. I mean, I think it's in all likelihood. I don't think it's beyond the you know possibility. I mean, if this thing bottomed out, they lost yeah. their last three games. I mean, I think there's a possibility they could they could move on. But the only way I see they move on from Dennis Allen is if they know they can get Sean Payton back. I think it's strictly that oh, scenario. That. That's the only scenario. I see them moving on from D.A. is if somehow through back channels they have heard that Sean Payton would come back to New Orleans, which I've already written he would, but it's a matter of would they do it to Dennis Allen. I don't think if they finish with two wins, even maybe one win here, two of their final four, I think that's enough for them to keep him on board. I think the other thing that people aren't realizing is there's a league-wide kind of push. I don't know if you saw that story where the league sent out a notice, a memo to every team in the league with a number. I can't remember what it was. It was hundreds of millions of dollars that the league team's members have paid to fired coaches that now are not even coaching anywhere. There's just hundreds of millions of dollars going to these coaches that that, that already moved on from. So I think that internal pressure as well from the league to like not be rash with coaching decisions may play a factor as well. Here, here, here's the thing, though, and this is going to sound the wrong way, and I'm sorry that it's going to sound the wrong way, but it's the truth. Sean Payton doesn't give a rat's ass about what happens to Dennis Allen after. I mean, if, if he really wants to come back and coach the Saints, 
and the Saints really want him, he's going to come back. It doesn't matter. I, I, I mean, I'm just Well, look, frank. I think this. I, I think he's going to – the way I've tried to tell people is he's he would consider it. So there's there's a difference. Right. It'll be whether he wants to or not. It, does, it won't be whether what it does to Dennis Allen is my right. point. Right, but what I mean is he – he would consider it along with whatever other options. He's going to see what other options are out there. So uh, it's not as cut and dried as, hey, if we if we move on from DA, will you come? Which is what, if I'm Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson, that's the answer I want to know. Oh, if I'm Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson, I've already asked that question. So right. they know they know at least whether he's even semi-interested. Well, By, he, They already know that. He definitely is open to it. I, I know that. So okay, well, that, here, but, but again, let me just finish. Like, but ahead. what if the Los Angeles Rams job opens? You know, yeah. th- that's a big job with which will big, big money. Uh, so I'm just saying, like, it's not. It, 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 so I think that's the biggest problem is even if he's considering it, the Saints have to know you're in. They have to know you would come here, not you might come here, because they can't move on from Dennis Allen. And, and, and not get Sean Payton. That, that's, the, that's the crux of this dilemma. The Saints have something in the, going in their favor, I think, uh, as far as Sean Payton coming back and something strongly going against them. What they have in their favor, I think, is there aren't going to be a lot of jobs that I think Payton would be willing to take and or um, maybe not jobs that are willing to pay what it's going to take to get him. So I've heard a lot of talk about the Los Angeles Chargers, and it would be a great fit for him. And Justin Herbert is gonna would be a great quarterback for him to go mentor. The problem with the Chargers is the Chargers are notoriously cheap. They're not going to spend what it takes to get a Sean Payton, and I'm not 100% sure that they're going to even be willing to get out of the contract they have with Brandon Staley that I think runs for like three more years. So I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be willing to spend that kind of money. Well, talking, they're also probably yeah. going to end up about eleven and six. I mean, you look at the they. I think their final three games are the Cardinals, the Colts. They're going to lose Broncos. this week. They're going to lose to the Colts this week. Cardinals, Colts, and Broncos. Maybe the three, three of the five worst teams in the league. I would say, three, you know, they're, they're at least two of the five. So, I agree, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two of those three. And then what do you do? I don't think so. I don't think. I, mean, I think if they were going to lose, they were going to lose to the Titans last week. And they I think did. they're going to lose to the, Bron- to the Colts this week in Indianapolis Monday night game. We'll see. Well, they might, but they're still going to make the playoffs even if they win two of their three. Probably. You know? they, they probably will. But, but, but the thing is, I mean, there's been all this talk. and I, So I scratched them off the list is my point. I think that the only place, the only two places that he would even think about going that are, have the potential to be open are both in the NFC West. And Arizona with Kyler Murray, and now Kyler Murray might not play until the middle of next year. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, though, still he's another guy who has like three years left on his contract. I think he just re-upped. Um, so really, that, that brings me to the Rams. And I don't think Sean McVay wants to coach anymore. He talked about retiring before the season started. But does Sean Payton want to go to a team that has Matthew Stafford, who's starting to age, um, it's not like they have some young quarterback can go mentor there. So that that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, but I, look, I don't think that. I think people are are doing too much over analysis there. I mean, Sean Payton is the most important thing he's going to look at is the fine the, the franchise's 
you know, functionality, yeah. the, the, the functionality of ownership, the deep pockets. Right. Uh, he's going to look at the big, big picture of can you win. He isn't going to look at the short term, which is do they have a quarterback right now? Do they, you know, what's their cap situation? He'll, he'll fix all that. He's a confident guy. He came to New Orleans when the whole city was underwater. They had no quarterback, and he was confident enough to come in here and do it. Uh, he, now, he's not going to go somewhere where there's not that strong ownership, strong management. Uh, that's for sure. He's going to stay put on the sidelines and, and continue to do TV. He's happy doing what he's doing. He's, he's, he doesn't need the money. But I think if like a the Rams with Stan Kroenke, who's one of the richest people in the world, uh, you know, you got a major league stadium out there. There's a lot of things why I think he'd consider the Rams over the Chargers. You make a good point about ownership there. The Cardinals are the worst situation in my yeah, opinion. No one wants to coach. No one. I don't think there's any way well. he goes to Arizona. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. So I, like I think it's going to be somewhere like the Rams. That's a big strong like the Broncos would would. Be interesting to me because they do have new ownership, but they've got a kind of an iffy situation right now with Russell Wilson tied into that major contract. Uh, but they're probably willing to make a move at, on Nathaniel Hackett. And then you've also got David Tepper in Carolina, who I guarantee you has put out feelers to Sean Payton and his representation. But would Mickey Loomis allow Sean Payton to go in the division? No way. So that's not going to be a possibility. And I would not be surprised at all if Pete Carroll, I think at age 72, decides that that's the end of the line for him. I mean, Seattle, they had a great start. They're not going to the playoffs. I, I mean, they're going they're just not going to the playoffs. I mean, and so they're going to choke away what was a great start. <clears throat> Excuse me, Geno Smith turned back into Geno Smith. I, 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 I think it's this. I think it's Rams, Saints, or nothing. I think it's Rams, Saints, or he spends another year on the sideline. And I think if I had to pick one, I think he spends another year on the sideline. I do, too. I think more than likely he doesn't coach anywhere. I think he wants – I know he wants to coach somewhere, but I would be surprised if if, if he takes a bad job. Yeah, I don't I – don't, yeah, I think it's going to be the – I know people joke about this, but, uh, you know, Dallas is, is one choke job away from losing its coach. Jerry Jones, who knows what when he could pull uh, the plug. He, he knows McCarthy. what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think it's a big game for Mike McCarthy this week. I mean, I agree a thousand percent. They need to beat the Eagles and, uh, you know, sh- show that that last week was a, a fluke. Okay, Datitude Podcast, Jim Derry, Jeff Duncan here on a Wednesday morning instead of a Friday. We're going to be on for about another, I'd say, seven, eight minutes because I want to – we're going to come back to the Saints. Um, we're going to give our predictions. If you want to give your prediction, you can do that in the comments stream. We will show it on the air and talk about it. I want to spend three minutes, Dunk, three minutes. Um, and, again, after the Saints are done, we're going to spend a lot more time on the Pelicans. I know a lot of people want to hear about the Pelicans. We're just going to spend three minutes, and then we're going to come back to the Saints for our final predictions. But you talk about the Pels. It's been a rough stretch for them. They went seven in a row, and now they've lost four in a row, a couple of them in heartbreaking fashion. They're showing to me – this little stretch shows they're right on the precipice of being one of those great teams, but they heard on TV how who's the best team in the West now. We know how much this changes this time of year. Oh, the Pelicans are the best team in the West, and then they go lose four in a row. Got to get out of that. I think they just need to turn off the TVs and turn off the radios and turn off people like me and you and go back to playing the basketball they were playing. 
Yeah, the disappointing last four games for sure. I think you're exactly right. Kind of had their heads in the cloud a little bit and um, paid the price for it. And they yep. played some good teams. But uh, to me, the, the glaring deficiency right now is on the defensive end. Uh, you know, I, th- that's just an area they've got to improve in. I think Willie Green has got to improve in it. I mean, they've got to be better on that end of the floor. They've had a number of games where one guy has just gone off on them. And you've got to get the ball out of that guy's hands, whether it's you know Jordan Clarkson or Laurie Markinen or uh, I think Devin Booker lit him up for yep. 40, 56. It was like yeah. 56. Yeah, it's a crazy number. And so uh, the other night, obviously Giannis did. But, I mean, they, they, they have this tendency to let one player go off. And, you know, you see good teams around the NBA, they get that ball out of that guy's hands and, and have an ability defensively put up a wall against Giannis. We didn't see a wall at all the other night. That's the that's how everybody in the league plays Milwaukee. So they've got some some room to grow both in the staff and on the court, and they've got to get Brandon Ingram back. I don't know what is going on. This this toe injury or whatever he has has lingered far too long. I'm sorry. He's been I mean, hanging out know, with Michael Thomas. It's it's brutal. I think he's missed now eleven games. Yeah, sprained toe. We've talked about this before. It's the it's the same medical staff. Uh, um, you can take it for whatever it's worth. It's I don't the think same it's the medical, medical staff. staff. I think it's the player. I'm sorry. I don't disagree with you. you know, but it's the same. It's the same group of people who are allowing these sorts of injuries to just linger on and do whatever. But back to your point about defense, Dunk. Those numbers on the screen prove your point. Bucks 128 points, Suns 118 points, Jazz, I know went in overtime, but 132 points. You can't be allowing those kinds of numbers to, and expect to, to win big basketball games. Now, look, they're going to probably skew things this week because they play the Spurs, the Thunder, and the Pacers, and you look at those records, not only do none of them have a winning record, but two of them have awful records. The Spurs are 10-20, and 20, the Thunder are 13-18. and 18. I mean, that, that's just flat-out terrible, so... Don't get too excited about what's coming up. They've got to find a way to fix that defense. And, you know, I, to me, almost fix it quick because after the, to me, after the calendar turns, it starts getting real. Yeah, look, if they got to get these next two to three games for sure. And then they're fine. They'll be in good shape, probably get Ingram back. Uh, but I think this team's still got to move in them somewhere around the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree. To fix the roster a little bit. Uh, but they should be better defensively. They've got, uh, you know, guys like Herb Jones and, uh, you know, Valanciunas. I mean, they, they've got guys that should be better defensively uh, than what they're showing. Their team defense is where it's lacking. And that goes back a little bit to the, you know, the basketball IQ and the maturation of, of this group as a unit and the fact that you, you constantly have a guy out like Ingram. It's just hard for them to build a cohesion on the defensive end of the court when, when you're missing key players like that. Yeah, unlike their brothers, the New Orleans Saints, they have uh, plenty of maneuvering that they can do. They have draft picks out the wazoo. They have space uh, financially to be able to, to make moves. They will make a move. This team is going to make a move some kind of way. Now, they may end up losing a player that you really like uh, in the process, but they are going to make a move. It will be interesting to see as we go down the stretch. All right, I know uh, – we have been on long enough, 53 minutes as I look at the clock there. So I want to get back, and it is prediction time, Jeff Duncan. Saints at Browns, and if you 
just joined us or you like the groundhog and you just popped your head out somewhere to see, oh, it's not that cold, but maybe it'll be fine in Cleveland. You are wrong. It is going to be frigid, downright frigid in Cleveland on Saturday, Christmas Eve. I'm sure everybody, I said this on my podcast the other day, Dom. Can you imagine if you were a Saints fan that said you were trying to pick somewhere to go? You know, I don't have a big family. We'll go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, have some fun in Cleveland on Christmas Eve. It'll be fun. It might be a little chilly in the 30s or something. Maybe we'll see some snow. And then you find out it's going to be like six degrees. Can you imagine if you plan that back in August or September? Yeah, that's one I would not have (laughs) booked. I mean, I'd probably spend my whole day in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame instead of going to the game. (laughs) I've always wanted to do that. That is a little bit of a a downer for me not getting to go there. But as far as predictions, J.D., this is a game, man, I don't have a good feel for at all. I do. Uh, You go ahead. I nailed last week's game. I thought the Saints would win, but I thought Atlanta would cover, and I was accurate on that. This game, I mean, I think the Saints could easily win it. I think the Browns could easily win it. I don't. I don't have a good feel because I just think these conditions are going to make it so difficult that one play could turn this game. If somebody gets a a 10-point lead in this game, I think it's going to be hard to come back from uh, considering the wind and and the conditions that are going to make passing difficult. So I I do like, and I'm a big believer in this, maybe I, I might put too much emphasis on this when I do analysis, but I do like the Saints catching the Browns after a big win. I'm big on that kind of thing in the in the NFL. You know, you get a team they might they're at home, the holidays, they might be a little distracted. And the Saints, I know, have not been the most uh, consistent team, but I think they'll give great effort in this game. Uh, so I think this, if I had to make a pick, I would take the Saints, maybe even outright to win the game. Uh, but that 32 total, I think, is going to be pretty accurate. I can't see it being a, a game in the. Oh, sport. I think it's going under. Yeah, it could be. A lot of field goals, which doesn't make me feel great about Will. It'd be Lutz. hard to kick a field goal in, in thirty degree weather, a thirty mile an hour. Weather. The Browns kicker, of course, is Cade York from from LSU, so uh, he's an excellent kicker. But I do think it, it'll it's going to be a field position game. This is a game that Dennis Allen is very comfortable coaching in. This is his kind of game. You know, yeah. he's not the kind of guy you want to get in a shootout with. But in a game like this, you know, he knows how to play field position. He knows how to punt on fourth and one. <laughs> so mm. he, uh, he's, I think the Saints have a great shot of winning this game. But uh, I think we're going to, again, we say this every week, but you're going to be able to tell early on uh, the Saints' body language, their energy and enthusiasm. We saw it last week. Now we'll see if it carries over. Well, there's no Mike Bell, so everybody should have the right cleats on. Right, <laughs> Jeff? Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right. And they used to remember spray paint the grass up in Cleveland because it yeah. was. Always brown. Right. If they do that. Um, I've not seen what uniforms they're wearing yet. So uh, I looked yesterday and they weren't on there yet. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. All right. I, unlike Jeff Duncan, do have a good feel for this game. And you're probably not going to like it. For the first time this season, a game involving the New Orleans Saints is in my NFL best bets of the week. In my NFL picks column, which you can see this morning on bet.nola.com. Um, we've had an interesting stretch where I've either done really well with my best bets and not as good with the rest of my picks or really poorly with my best bets and really good with the rest of my picks. So trying to get out of that, trying to get them all right. Of course, you don't want me to be right here because I don't think this is a good matchup for the Saints at all. Um, 
I would lay it. Not only would I lay the two and a half if you want to bet on it, I think the Browns are going to win this game by double digits. I just don't think this is a – and here's the thing that sticks out. We talked about it. Russian defense, 23rd against 5th. Nick Chubb is going to have himself a day. I don't think there's going to be 30 passes, period, in this game. I'm talking about total dunk. I don't think there's going to be 30 total passes in this game. As we see, uh, Jerry says that he thinks it's going to be 17-10 Saints. I think that's the right ballpark. I, I predicted 16-6 to in my column, and that's with two missed extra points. I think Cade York is going to kick a field goal, but he's going to miss an extra point. I think Will Lutz is going to miss an extra point. It is because I think do think the Saints will score. I think they'll be in it until till the end. But I think Nick Chubb is going to wear this defense out. I like the under, but I just don't know. And and I, whenever it comes down, to, I talked about Alvin Kamara being disinterested. I don't see how he's going to be interested in six degrees. So will Taysom Hill be able to do anything? Are they even going to try to do anything with him? Because one week they use him a lot, and they used him a lot last week. The next week they don't use him at all. I just don't know. It's got to be a big me. Taysom Hill game. This game's made for Taysom Hill. I couldn't agree more, and I don't think they will. I think they'll try to outthink themselves. Hennessy says uh, he hopes this is the game the Saints learn that Dennis Allen is not the right coach for us. Well, if they haven't learned that by now, I mean, do you really need game number 15 of the season? I mean, I don't think it's going to change anybody's opinion, and I agree with Jeff Duncan. The coach of the Saints next year, I think there's a 90% chance it's Dennis Allen, and there's a 9% chance it's Sean Payton, and a 1% chance it's someone else. So how do you think about those those percentages? Though? Yeah, I would, I would say that's right. Maybe even a little higher for Payton. I mean, it's all okay. going to come down to these last. Look, if, if they get beat double digits Saturday, I think that door opens a, a lot a lot further. Uh, and I, he doesn't finish well with Allen. I will say this as well, and Dunk kind of alluded to it earlier before we go off the air. If the Saints, if you have any hopes at all that A, the Saints win the rest of their games and you can get over that over seven and a half, like I do, or you are harboring any inkling that the Saints have a chance to make the playoffs, not only are you rooting for the Saints to beat the Browns on Saturday, but you're also a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. You want the Eagles to put this thing away. And so they don't have to think about using Jalen Hurts. They've got some other starters that are, like, really close to needing to sit out, much less. So if they get a chance to sit these guys for two weeks, like the Saints did back in 2009 when they won the Super Bowl and lost their last three games. But if they get a chance to put this thing away and clinch that number one seed, they're not going to play anybody next week. I promise you. So Yeah, people people have been talking on social media about the Saints, you know, that, that first-round pick and the Eagles going to win. That's going to be so low on the priority scale. Exactly. Uh, you know, we're talking about the difference of maybe being the eighth pick and the 12th pick or something like that. That's not going to factor into the no equation. No one's thinking about when that. You have a chance to win a Super Bowl right now. You want your 100%. players to be healthy. So, so I agree 100%. If the Eagles wrap it up, even if they start most of the regulars against the Saints, anybody with any type of health issue is going to sit or not play very much at all. So that game suddenly opens up a little bit if the Eagles win against the Cowboys, and the Saints have to win, obviously. Well, don't there's proof that no one really thinks about that at the end of the season. I mean, there are some teams like – there are some owners that probably care about that, but for the most part, 80% of them don't. No. And proof last year is 
you remember the Jaguars, the Jets, and uh, I think the Texans were all fighting for the number one pick in the draft last year, and two of them won. I don't even remember what two that there were, but two of them won, like the second to last week of the season. And so it's just proof that they don't care about that. That doesn't. They want to win, and like Herm Edwards says, you play to win the game. They do. None of these players are going to go out there and, and try to lose on purpose. As, as 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 much as I've been on the Saints' ass all year long, they're not going out there to lose on purpose. Yeah, and, and the difference between you know who you draft with the eighth pick and the twelfth pick, I mean, exactly. it's really arbitrary. It's not 100%. significant enough to risk an injury to a guy when you've got a chance, a real, real chance to win a Super Bowl. That, I mean, that is what the Eagles are going to be prioritizing, not not this draft pick they might get. Exactly. And are, are they like? trying to move up as much as they can and try to have a shot at Bryce Young. They don't need Bryce Young. They right. don't need a quarterback. It's so, not I mean, a year where they need to worry about that. Exactly. So I agree wholeheartedly. They don't care. Any, they would much rather win a Super Bowl this year, and they're going to worry about the health of their players. And uh, that's why I think all this facade of Jalen, yesterday you saw on, on Sirianni talking about Jalen Hurts, the toughest dude he knows, and he'll, he might even play this week. He ain't playing this week. Okay, if he plays this week, they're dumb. The Eagles are super dumb if they even take a chance. You're talking about a shoulder for a running quarterback. I mean, it's and it's a passing shoulder. Dude, Jalen Hurts is not playing this week, and he's not playing next week either. And so, I mean, I don't think he's going to play again in the rest regular season. So, get ready for the Garden of They basically right? just need one win to wrap this thing up. So, they got to win one of these final games. And Exactly. Uh, I, if I were them, I'd do, like, the NBA approach – NBA coaches, when they have these back-to-backs, they determine which game they want to win. Right. Then they rest the starters the other game. I think if I'm them, just throw this game to the Cowboys. It's meaningless in the grand scheme of things. And then come back and beat the Saints the next week at home and wrap everything up. Then you could rest everybody the final week. You'd have two weeks of rest to get ready for the playoffs. That's that's the course I'd take. Yeah, and they already know they can beat the Cowboys. They beat them earlier in the season. So, um you know, who cares if you play them in the playoffs? Because you might. Uh, they'll worry about that then. All right, Dunk, uh, it is about that time. Uh, you are not going to Cleveland, so you're going to have Christmas in New Orleans. What are your Christmas plans? Well, Christmas Eve, I'll be uh, traditionally uh, in our group. We have a big table at Clancy's. I know that might shock you. It does. It shocks yeah. the hell out of me. So there, I spend it with a group of friends. We have a great time. It's always a tradition there. And then, look, I'll be working, unfortunately, for most of Christmas Eve on, on obviously the Saints game, watching that and writing, and then the next day I'll I'll be working as, again on Christmas Day. So it's, it's pretty sad Christmas for me because I I have a lot of work to do uh, this weekend. Well, I'll throw an open invitation. If you want to drive to the North Shore, we're going to have a big dinner on uh, on Christmas, and I don't think uh, I think the family spread out, so it's going to be a quiet one at the Dairy House on, on Christmas Day. If nice. you have nothing to do. You're you're more than welcome to have dinner. Up here, uh, and look, I'm going. To, I'm going to a Pelicans game. I'm excited about it. First one, uh, I get to go as a fan, so I'm going to enjoy that nice. next next Wednesday. I think they're playing the Timberwolves. So, anybody running to me at the Pels game next next Wednesday, come say hello, and uh, maybe I'll give you a shout out on the Datitude podcast. <laughs> Meanwhile, we hope all of you have a just wonderful Christmas. No matter what happens with Saints Browns, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's about family. It's about friends. It's about people you love. And we hope you get to spend time with people you love this Christmas. We know it's going to be cold, so bundle up. And, you know, the closer you are to someone, the warmer it is. 
You know, when you're when you're married as long as I am, as I've as I've been, you just have to bundle up because you don't get a chance to do that all that much. That's a whole nother story. Nobody wants to hear about that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna run. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Don't Merry Christmas to you, and uh, we'll talk to you a week from Friday. Yeah, Merry Christmas, JD. Everyone out there, Merry Christmas. See you on the other side. Well, we went a little bit longer with Mr. Duncan this morning, but uh, we had a lot of things to say. We had some fun. Well, I mean, not fun if you think you if you wanted me to pick the, the Saints to win, but I just told it as I think it is. I, you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope they keep me alive in this pl- over seven and a half bet. I don't. I just don't see. First of all, Andy Dalton's not going to be able to do jack. And I'm not blaming Andy Dalton. I'm not talking bad about Andy Dalton. It's just nobody, no quarterback. Well, I can't say no quarterback, but there are very few quarterbacks that would be successful in this kind of weather. I mean, this is like Green Bay on steroids kind of weather you're talking about. I mean, potential snow, certainly going to be a ton of wind. I mean, I'm not even talking about the cold yet. So it's just not, it's not a good matchup for the Saints. But we're going to get into it a little bit more because, spoiler alert, both Uncle Big Nick and I have the Saints game involved in our best bets. And I've already, you've already spent this long with me. I don't want you spending all day long. You got things to do. You got presents to buy. I know a lot. Don't, don't lie. A lot of you still have presents to buy. I get all that. So let's get right into the best bets with Uncle Big Nick, and then we'll... Let you hear our outro Christmas song before we say goodbye. Uncle Big Nick, can we make some picks today? Well, can we please? Well, I mean, we haven't made picks together in quite a few weeks now. <laughs> you don't have to get that sweatshirt ready for me. I, I mean, made you I know, choke just showing you the sweatshirt. He did. I mean, people can't see it, but uh, he's wearing a San Francisco 49ers sweatshirt. Ain't it pretty? Oh, Jesus Christ. How long have you been waiting <laughs> to save that up? <laughs> That's all I say now. I don't say pretty anymore. I just Uncle say Big Nick here on a Datitude podcast on this Wednesday, special Wednesday edition, because quite frankly, I am taking some time off. And I need a vacation, too. I mean, you've just been like everywhere. Speaking, yeah, I just I mean, got back like, from Vegas going on a vacation like, from a vacation. Speaking of Vegas, all right, I haven't asked you this because I've been saving it for the show. I have this weird feeling. All right, you had the most wacky. You were at the Vegas New England game on Sunday, and how's that stadium, by the way? It's absolutely phenomenal. Allegiant Stadium. It looks, it's it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. Even the bathrooms are pretty. It looks. It looks. It looks beautiful. But I saved this for the show. I did not want to ask you. This question until I got on the show. If you say what I think you're going to say, then you're going to get your ass ripped. Did you see, did you stay long enough to see the dumbest ending in the history of the NFL? And that even includes the not running to Marshawn Lynch. Yes. You stayed. Yes. Um, I'm shocked. Oh, you just telling me that. No, no, no. No, I did. Catch crap. no, I did. All right. My wife was Cindy, really, really embarrassed. Like, she wasn't mad. She wasn't like she yeah, was upset. Your wife was Cindy is a, is a New England. Yeah, she's yeah. a New England Patriots man. 
So it was a rough finish for her, I'm sure. Hey, funny story. I was sitting next to a guy. He had a judo jersey on, okay, uh, from New England. And we're talking, and he, for some reason, we're in these little seats. You know how seats are in stadiums. I'm not a small person. We had three <laughs> big guys sitting right next to each other. Like, so me and him okay. had a deal to where, okay, you lean forward, I'll sit back for a little while. And then <laughs> I'm going to sit back for a little while. And he was wearing a Judon jersey, and I'm like, we were talking about Judon for about 10 minutes, and he said, man, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, I'm a Steelers fan. I wore this because I was on the field earlier, and I wanted Judon to sign it for my brother. I can't wait to take this thing off. That's what he told me. <laughs> well, it was really yeah, funny. He's in mourning this morning with the passing of Franco Harris. So Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, we talked about it a little while Maybe ago. Maybe the 50th with, anniversary, too? Yes. How weird, weird is that? Yeah. It goes to it's show weird. you that the the karma gods, I, I don't mean this to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny because someone died. But, uh, you know, the karma gods, the immaculate reception was back 50 years ago, had a ton of controversy. They changed rules in the NFL because of that catch and that play where Franco Harris caught it out of the air and then scored a touchdown, uh, which advanced the Steelers and the Raiders were pretty ticked off. They should, they thought it should not have been legal. And if that was you're against young, the Raiders too. Yeah. If you're young and you don't know tuck what I'm talking rule, about. I mean, Raiders change all kind of rules. Yeah. Tuck rule. That's absolutely right. So, well, they got a little revenge this week with yeah. the dumb, that dumb play. All right. Uh, so anyway, go Google immaculate reception. If you don't know what I'm talking about, but, I'm guessing you don't watch football like we watch it if you don't know what the Immaculate Reception is. But, yes, they are having the 50th anniversary on Saturday night on NFL Network, I believe. The Steelers are playing the Raiders, and I'm sure there will be a lot uh, to talk about with Franco Harris then. All right, let's get into our picks. And since we've been away, um, since we haven't talked, uh, I had one really, really, really bad week, my worst week of the season by far, losing 95 bucks on a one-and-four week. That was in week 13. We had no picks in week 14 because I took a few days off and uh, we didn't make our best bets. And then last week, you weren't here because you were in Vegas, so I just read your picks. We both went three and two. Uh, I won 37. You won 16. Um, And so for the year, still having a pretty good year. I'm 42 and 27 overall, plus 185. You are now above 500 at 35 and 34, plus 49. That... It took you a while, but you got out of that uh, that minus one ten hole you put yourself in in week two, going zero and five. The only zero and five anyone, not neither one of us have had a five and zero. We had had a bunch of four and ones in here, but no five and zeros. Let's change that this week. Yeah, unless, I want to be the first one to do that. Uh, unless we have a head to head, then I can't root for you. But we'll find out if we do. All right, we got to make this a little bit quicker than normal because. Um, Something I ran along, we were over an hour. So let's get right to it. The picks for week 16. It's our best bets of the week, as we do almost every week. We're coming down to the nitty-gritty. What do you got for your first pick? Full disclosure, I didn't watch you and Jeff, okay? Okay. Um, you can listen my to My first pick is my smallest bet. It's $15 to win $12 or $13 because it's Cleveland minus 2.5, minus 120. So I have no idea what y'all picked. And I know y'all just talked about the game, so I just I can't see the Saints winning two in a row in Cleveland with a negative nine degree wind chill. Like I, I think Cleveland's gonna just pound a ball against the Saints and win this game. But I think they win by double digits. 
All right, well, I'm not going to uh, comment on it yet because for the first time this season, and anyone who listens to this whole show knows what I'm going to pick, but uh, I'm going to comment on it in a little bit because for the first time all season, a, sa- a game involving the Saints is in my best bets. So we're going to save that for later. But you have Cleveland minus 2.5 over the Saints, and as I said with Duncan, you got to lay minus 120 as we record this. To get that minus two and a half, um, you can't just bet at the normal minus one ten. I think that line's going to change. I think it's going to go back. It was at minus three. I think it's going to go back to minus three at some point in the near future before the game is played on Christmas Eve. All right, my I have an eleven dollar pick. It's my only eleven dollar pick, and my first one is going against Aunt Mabel because everybody in their grandma's betting on the Los Angeles Chargers this week to beat the Indianapolis Colts who did things that Matt Ryan simply just loves to do, and that is choke a big lead away. Uh, The Colts are getting four at home on Monday Night Football against the Chargers team that I frankly think is not very good. I know that they got some of the offensive weapons back, but that spread is weird to me. Again, I think it's going to be about 85% on the Chargers, so therefore I am simply fading the public here. I think that Indianapolis will bounce back and play hard at home, getting four points against the Chargers. I think they're going to win outright, but I'm not going to take the money line. I'm going to take the plus four. Uh, I can't pick this game. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with this game. I mean, Matt Ryan stopped playing defense last week, so they. they I was very profitable on the Vikings at Vegas, but it you was. Bet I, I bet Vegas. I or Vegas. I bet Minnesota money line four different times during that game. You know, and I did too. I bet the Minnesota money line as well. I also had uh, Minnesota. It's just the way that that first half happened. Money line parlay. I just, I didn't, I didn't have any faith that Indy was going to win that game. I find it interesting. I find it interesting. And by the way, I don't want to go off too much of a tangent again because we don't have a ton of time this morning. But I find it interesting that you're a pounding Saints fans making jokes about Matt Ryan not playing defense. Matt Ryan. When it's 33 to nothing, okay, I get that you're going to hand off the ball. When it starts getting closer, you got to make plays. And he didn't make any of them. So you can joke about the defense and and say how it's defense's fault. Yeah, it's a lot in part the defense's fault. But when when it gets to like 33, to, I'll, I'll even give him up to 17. Now I would start playing before it gets that far. But uh, it's uh, it's not a coincidence that this crap happens to Matt Ryan. So you can joke all you want. I don't think it's a want. coincidence either. Like once the pressure gets heated he's a on choke him, artist. he's a he chokes, but he shouldn't have been pressured. I mean, the defense should have held. You would think should have would have hold a thirty. I know you think they could hold a thirty-three point lead. I'm glad they didn't. You think someone could? I think the yeah. I think if you put LSU on the field against Minnesota, and I'm not joking. You put LSU, this LSU team on the field and give them a thirty-three to nothing halftime lead. I think LSU is going to win about eight times out of 10. About eight times out of 10. Matt Ryan would win eight out of 10. Five touchdowns. (laughs) Five touchdowns. I know it's five touchdowns, but if the. How does any NFL team lose with a five touchdown lead at halftime? If a pro defense shut down that, a pro offense in the second half, then it was Pro defense is going to shut down a college offense in the second half. We'll, we'll debate that in the offseason. We're going to have a, a nice little debate. 
All right, moving on. What is your next pick? My last pick, again, $11, Indianapolis, plus four. I know most of you are not going to be, you're not going to have the cojones to bet it, but I'm telling you, fade the public. You're going to win. $11 to win 10, Indianapolis, plus four of the Chargers. What you got? I have a bowl game on Thursday night. Okay, I know you probably don't know who's playing in this, but it's the Armed Forces Bowl. You're right, I don't. Not off the top of my head. I know because so I, I picked the game, but I don't even remember who, who who it was. Air Force is playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. How can you not bet Air Force? The Service Academy team in the it, Armed Forces simple. Bowl. You just don't yeah. bet. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, is... the, the Service Academy is a 3-0 and in Armed Forces Bowls. Um, 21-9 and against the spread in bowl games, the Service Academy, since 2005. And they play in Baylor. Baylor won the Sugar Bowl last year. Now they're playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. You think they care to be there? Baylor's defense gives up 4.5 rush yards per rush. Uh huh. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, Air Force, if they get five yards of rush, you only need two rushes to get a first down. Like, I just think that they kill them. I'm taking the money line, Air Force plus 148, $20 to win $30. Okay, um, I got to be honest. These service academy teams do really good in bowls because people are not used to defending what they do. You know what's sad is I made my prediction because we have to predict every bowl game, and I have no idea what I picked in this game. I don't remember. (laughs) There's so many bowl games. There's 42 of them, and I don't remember what I picked. I did research on it. I just don't remember what the research was because I'm getting old. So I don't have – I I neither endorse nor dissent. Against that pick. Thursday night, I'm going to be calling a high school basketball game, and then I'm going to be coming home watching the second half of Jacksonville. Um, so, uh, I'm wondering if this is. Jets. Yeah, it is, it is Thursday night. It's at 6 30. I thought yeah, I might so, have put it during the day. Yeah, I won't, be, I won't be watching that at all. I'll, I'll see. Oh, I'll see the score probably an hour after it was over and say, oh, yeah, Uncle Big Nick had a game. Pick on that game. All right, my next pick is a $22 bet. Another one that some people probably will shake their heads at because the Kansas City Chiefs have not been playing all that well lately. They needed to, a miracle to to just, not a miracle, I guess, but they needed a crazy play in overtime to beat the Texans, getting a pick six, and they have not covered a lot as of late. However, that being said, they're in a position now to where they, they need to win their last three games. They know this. They're going back home to Arrowhead after a three-game road trip and they are going to whoop up on the lowly Seattle Seahawks who have turned back into the Seattle Seahawks. Geno is back to being Geno. I know I'm buying, uh, I'm selling low on the Seahawks, but Kansas City also low. Nine and a half point spread. If this was 10, I probably wouldn't play it. But at nine and a half, I think the Chiefs win big here. 22 to win 20. Patrick Mahomes has one of his better days of the season, and he's been pretty good. It hadn't been his fault. I don't know. I just think the Chiefs are in, like, win and get out mode, not in blowout mode. Like, win, get out. I don't do think people realize how bad the Seattle defense is. No, they are bad. Like, I, I get it. And I could, so I mean, I, I'll be worried about a backdoor cover here because that KC defense ain't that good. Also, for Seattle, they are going to be without Tyler Lockett. Um, Gina, that's one less weapon for Gina Smith and Kenneth Walker, their 
great rookie running back may or may not play. Even if he plays, I'm not sure how effective he's going to be. So that also played a a, a factor in my decision because they have. Oh, no I can see game. it. This is this no is running game with Kenneth Walker. I'm just going to stay away from. Like I'm, right. I just don't like that number. Well, I may, I may dabble over. I'll probably stay away from a couple of yours. We'll see. What is your? I know you have a big parlay coming up next. Wake Forest against Mizzou in the Gasparillo Bowl. Wake Forest minus one and over 58 and a half, 20 to win 89. Um, Mizzou's going to be missing the top two cornerbacks, which with Mizzou's. What defense, is that over again? Tell me that over again. 58 and a half. Mizzou's defense has been terrible all year, and now they're missing the two top cornerbacks that have opted out of this game. So that might help them as bad as their defense has been, but. I just can see Wake Forest and Hartman putting up a ton of points here and winning this 34 to 20 or something like that, like really big. I can't believe not, they're only a one-point favorite. You're not going to make Zach Ewing happy picking against Mizzou. I, it will work for me every time I've done it this year. Um, well, Mizzou's actually had some wait, oh, wait a minute. covers. What? Zach should be happy for like at least a couple of years with 100K. That, that they're actually going to a bowl game? The, no, but it's 100K. Like, why would he be upset about anything that Mizzou That's, does? You got a point. Who cares about Mizzou when you win 100K? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got a point. All right. Um, I neither. That's, that's even money that would make me not care about things. I can't see me playing a a, a a bad bowl game parlay, but who knows? Maybe maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. Um, it's a Friday I'm, game. You ain't got nothing else going on. You're right. I I. Well, no, I, yeah, that's that, that's Christmas Eve Eve. So you're right. I got both bowl games on Friday too. So you oh. can really, you can really pound it. All right. Well, maybe, maybe I'll put ten bucks on it to win. I guess what is that? Forty four fifty. Yeah, maybe so. We'll see. All right. Uh, I am going with uh, as my third pick. Bounce back spot against the team that everybody loves right now, Carolina Panthers. Carolina yeah. Panthers. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay. And Jets almost made my best bets, by the way. Now, they just missed. I um, have that game. Carolina Panthers minus three at minus 130 to beat. They're getting, uh, not minus three, it's plus three. What am I doing? I'm trying to hose myself here. So Carolina plus three. Oh, against three Detroit. Yeah, I almost picked this one too. Against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions were super lucky last week to get out of, get out of the New York with another win. Uh, I think that luck's about to run out. I think they're about to realize, holy crap, we're in the playoff race. And then they turn back into the lines. Meanwhile, Carolina is realistically in the NFC South race. And to me, the NFC South deserves to come down to Carolina and Tampa Bay next week. The Panthers have to win to do that. I'm not going to take the money line. I'm going to lay a little extra juice and move it from two and a half to, to three and lay minus 130. 26 to win 20. Panthers plus three over Detroit. At home, uh, this was almost this almost made my best bets because do we really trust Detroit to cover two road games in a row? Like really? Uh, I don't. I just can't see it. Yeah. I know I everybody sure. loves Detroit right now, and I do too. But I mean, I can't. The Carolina's playing really, really good football right now. I think Detroit is still highly overrated, and sometimes people forget they have Jared Goff as their quarterback. I mean, golf versus Darnold. Which one would you rather? Darnold's actually playing pretty decently right now, so I don't know. I'd rather, have, I'd probably rather have golf, but it's really close. 
Who? Golf, Donald, or Dalton? Dalton, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I rag Andy Dalton. Golf's been playing really well lately. But I'd rather have Andy Dalton than those other two clowns. That, that's really, that's that's bad. But I'm, I'm trusting Carolina's defense here. Um, Detroit doesn't have a defense, so... I'm going with Carolina's defense. I think they're going to find a way to win. And I believe, I think it's their home finale. I think it's Carolina's home finale. So I think they're going to be extra motivated. All right, moving on. What is your second best bet? Second top top two best bets. Well, since I, made, since I made Zach mad, I'm going to make Spencer happy and take ULL plus seven against Houston. Friday night, 22 to win 20. I got a little. Just let me tell you this. I got. I looked up Dana Holgerson, the coach for Houston's bowl record. Okay, just hear me out. His teams are two and seven against the spread, three and six straight up in bowl games. They've lost by at least fourteen points in four of the last five they've played. The five bowl games in which his team was favored, and he lost three of those, two of them by double digits. And the wins have come by one point and four points. His teams do not blow people out in bowl games or they lose them. They play in, in Shreveport, which is only three hours north of Lafayette, so they're going to have a little home field advantage there. That's more than three hours north of Lafayette. It, it is more than three? Uh, it's like four to four and a half hours, I think. Okay, whatever. It's closer than Houston but, is. All right, well, I can't endorse this pick at all. I think... I think the Cajuns can get the doors blown off. Okay, this one I do remember. Um, I hear you with your trends, and I and I, I you know, I'm a trends guy, but I know Hogerson will like, give a sh. I don't like Hogerson at all. I, I he's a bum. He is an overrated coach who's been all over the place. I am not a fan of his at all. But apparently, I, I, Tune I, and Dell, who are the quarterback and the best wide receiver for Houston, are playing. They say, okay. but they both said they're going to the pros. Yeah, so well. are they going to opt out right before the game and say no? I don't know. Are they going to play right, just you, a half? I'm not picking ooh la la here. I'm that's not one I'm going to bet on for sure. So, but I won't bet against you. I'm just not betting on it. All right. <laughs> My next pick is a money line parlay. It is the first time I think all year I'm getting juice. I'm getting good juice on the good side, plus one thirty three. So I'm betting twenty to win. I don't know. You do the math. I want to show off for God's sake. 26, six, uh, 2660, I think. Anyway, we'll figure that out later if I win. When I win. Saints fans aren't going to like it. Tennessee over Houston. Just need to win. I knew you were going to pick this. And the Cleveland Browns over the New Orleans Saints. I am with you. This is not a good match over the Saints. I've already explained my position on the Saints, so I'm not going to go in depth uh, here. But the, the Browns are fifth in the NFL in, run, in rushing offense. The Saints are 23rd and gave up 139 yards to some kid that was playing at BYU last year. BYU never runs the ball. Okay, so I'm sorry. The Saints are not going to be able to stop Nick Chubb. And you can hope that the season that this is the one that officially, the day before Christmas, my big bets on the Saints over win total going to get crushed on the day before Christmas. How's that for, for karma? And then the Titans, look, they're in a spot to where they could be in trouble for this division. If Jacksonville, which I don't think, is going beats the Jets on Thursday night, 
Tennessee's in a position to where if they lose to the Houston Texans, they're suddenly in a tie with the Jags. They cannot afford to be there. They've got two big games coming up. This is They will not be looking ahead. Mike Brable will have this team ready. So Cleveland over New Orleans, Tennessee over Houston. They just got to win a money line parlay, 20 to win, I don't know, 26-something. Yeah, I was going to pick Tennessee also. I think they're going to bum rush, like just kill the, the Texans. I kind of think it's going to come. It's going to come down. I think that that division is going to come down to the last week. I think the last week Jacksonville plays Tennessee. Um, they do. Yep. I, I do. I do have a bet on Jacksonville to win that division, so I'm hoping they do. Oh, but I um, have it the other way. Yeah, I know. At, and plus three hundred too. So. Did you look up? I didn't look it up. Andy Dalton's record versus Cleveland, like Cleveland versus Andy Dalton. I haven't I got the trends consistent. yet. Yeah, I usually do trends. I do not know what his record is. Uh, but I don't think that. I don't factors. think it's going to matter. No, because and Dun- Duncan told me something I didn't know that this is going to be the coldest game the Saints have ever played in, ever. And and the over under is like thirty one and a half. Thirty thirty two now, but it would be only the eleventh time in Saints history they have played a game where the over under was thirty two or less, and they they've only been keeping the steps since nineteen seventy nine, but still. I mean, so that's going back from before you were born. Yeah. Uh, 11 times. And guess what? You'd think the Browns would have done it more because they play in the cold outside. But no, this is only the seventh time in Browns history they're going to be in a game that over or under is 39. Wow. I mean, 32. Considering how below. terrible the Browns have been, you would think. I know. It's crazy. Crazy stat. So uh, I just I don't think a lot of points can be scored, but I, I don't like it at I didn't like it at three. I wouldn't want to lay the three. Then it changed to two and a half, and I already had my pick. So I definitely endorse your pick of 15 to win 13 on the uh, Browns minus two and a half. But I, I, I love Cleveland in a money line parlay. But now he's, yeah. now he's but it doesn't matter. He's doesn't matter. They're not going to throw the ball. They, it's going to yeah, be Nick a, Chubb all day. Yeah, They're going to run, like run, run, and try to get. I do like the under. I, my predicted final score is 16 to six. I think that yeah, I, I think that. I think the Saints score one touchdown and miss a fi- and miss the extra point in the thirty mile an hour <laughs> win. All right, moving on. Uh, your top pick of the week. Over in the Jacksonville Jets game Thursday night, over thirty eight and a half. Overs are six and one in Jacksonville's road games. The Jets have lost four straight on Thursday night football. So, uh, short weeks are not fa- not not favorable for the Jets. And the overs have hit in five of the six, five of the past six Thursday games for the Jets. So I just don't think they're a good team when it comes to preparing for the Thursday night game. And I just think this is going to be twenty-one twenty or something like that game. All right. Well, I don't have anything to root against you for per se, but um, so I hope we both go five and zero this week. But I cannot endorse this pick. I have the under. I, I don't. It's going to be raining. It's not going to be super cold uh, tomorrow night, unlike the other games that are being played. It's going to be weekend. raining. Good. I like the over more because Fabio can't hold on to the ball in the rain. So more turnovers right. mean more points. I don't think Jacksonville's going to score all that much. That's the problem. The Jets can't do can't they? The Jets have Zach Wilson at quarterback. They really can't run the football. Jacksonville has uh, long locks. Jacksonville long locks uh, is going to stink. He's going to have. I'll tell you what, but but I do like 
I don't bet a whole ton of player props, but I don't know what the over under is is on Lawrence to throw picks or turnovers or whatever. But I'm betting over on it. No, 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 not pass yards. Whatever his turnover number is, I'm betting the over on Trevor Lawrence turnovers for sure in this game. The Jets gonna be fired up. Can you bet turnovers? One hundred percent. Not just you bet interception. You can bet. I think you. I think you can bet turnovers at some books. I'm gonna be yeah, looking. Yeah, because I would it. like that because I know he he tends to fumble a lot when it's raining. Yeah, he's gonna turn it over at least twice, some kind of way. All right, so uh, your thirty-three dollar pick, Jacksonville versus the Jets on Thursday, over thirty-eight. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't endorse it. So take that for what you will. But Uncle Big Nick's been on on a little bit of a roll here, so. Oh, it's not not a bad thing to go with him. All right, I've been you really know, I've, good with bowl games this year so far. Too. Yeah, Where's well, I've been pr- I've been pretty good with teasers. As I look back, I've only lost two teasers. I've had one almost every week, and let's see, I've only lost I've lost three teasers all year, and only two since week five. So I've been pretty good with the teaser. I'm going to stick with it as my top play teaser. If you're new to to betting. Means you get you have to bet pick two teams, you get a Christmas present of six points for each spread. But the key is you have to win both of them. All right. So with that being said, I like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They basically just have to win. They're minus a half a point over the Arizona Cardinals on uh, Sunday night. My reasoning there is simple. I didn't do a whole lot of analysis on this game. I got to be honest, but. Trace McSorley against Tom Brady, who has to win and just gave the ball away four times last week. Tampa Bay, I cannot see them losing against Arizona. And then the other half of the teaser, and you can comment in just a minute, uh, Baltimore minus one and a half over the Atlanta Falcons, who are basically in preseason mode. And the Ravens have to have this game now. If they're going to win this division, they are suddenly on the outside looking in. We know Lamar Jackson's probably not going to play. There is a chance he plays. Probably not. And it's probably going to be Tyler Huntley, but I don't think it matters. Atlanta can't do jack with Desmond Ritter. And Tyler Algier and is not going to have the day he had last week. Yeah, I, I love this teaser. I mean, I think they they both going to hit, as you normally do with teasers. I can't see Atlanta being even competitive against Baltimore. Um. Tampa and Arizona, I mean, that's – you've got to pick Brady. Huh? I mean, I don't understand that line, to be honest. Either. Six and a half? I mean, I know Tampa Bay has stunk lately, and they still stink, but to only be given six and a half to Trace McSorley? Yeah, that's – That doesn't make any sense. The way Arizona's been playing, I mean, it's just – So, and, and even worse is they, they – the lines makers think about teasers now. So – Basically, to give me a Tampa Bay money line and a teaser bet, I don't understand that. Yeah. You're like yeah, giving me a free leg. I mean, yeah, I thank you for the Christmas present, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It'll make up for your, uh, the Saints over you're going to lose. Okay, well, I'm now not betting the Saints lose. over. I'm no, not I'm talking the about over. the overwind total. Oh, the, yeah. Well, yeah. I need a lot more than that. I, I, I don't know. I've been Teasers have definitely helped my bankroll in Caesars. But uh, I got a lot of money on the Saints over, so that's that's not happening. Because yeah. even if somehow they I get this wrong and they do win this week, if Philly loses to Dallas this week, which is possible, I mean they're they're six point dogs. Because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to play. 
The Saints aren't going to beat the Eagles next week when they have to win. It ain't going to happen. So, anyway, that's next week. We'll talk about next week. I bet uh, bet Bears underwin total twice. So, that that would be something. Rolling in the dough. I got San Francisco (laughs) all over the place. So, I might have to uh, borrow one of your Niners sweatshirts. Oh, God. I gave you another chance at it. Another shot at it. That's all I All right. So, for Christmas. For Christmas, I I don't want you to give me anything. I want you to loan me either a jersey or a sweatshirt that I can wear throughout into February when they win the Super Bowl and I strike it rich and can afford to buy my own 49er sweatshirt. Would you wear a Montana jersey? Oh, 100%. Right now? After all the after all the things that matter. The Saints. Saints suck and I'm and I'm a huge 49ers fan right now. That's where all my money's <laughs> lying. So absolutely I would wear a Montana jersey right now. Now, I, you'd have to come get it before the end of the Super Bowl because if they lost the Super Bowl, I might want to be going. Oh, yeah, this is it. true. Yeah, this is so, true. But we'll worry about I might that give then. you the – I got one of them shirts that just says Montana on the back. I might just give you that instead of my jersey. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Hey, it's I have cold, a George you know? Kittle signed jersey that I won in San Francisco at a silent auction when I went to one really? of the games. And it's a small – I mean, I can give you that. Oh. You give me that, so I could put it uh, what on my arm. I can have my kid wear it. Yeah, there you go. All right. Now it's a. I mean, it ain't for wearing. Of course, it's signed. Yeah, you, you're putting it, in it into a frame. Yeah. Of course, you don't want me touching that. I might spill coffee on it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Oh, All right. Well, Uncle Big Nick, have a merry Christmas, and tell Cindy hello for me, and uh, we will. She's talk finally to you. over it, I think. So yeah, yeah she'll be all right. She'll, I, look, I'm not making fun of him. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to believe a Bill Belichick coach team did that. But anyway, have a Merry Christmas. We will talk to you. We'll be back on Friday next week. So uh, we'll All have right. our New Merry Year's Christmas special next too. week. Talk to you later. All right. Uncle Big Nick, Uncle Big Nick. Always got, uh, always having fun with Uncle Big Nick. Uh, glad he's back on the show. We only got a few weeks left of this. It's hard to believe. Just two weeks left of the regular season after this one. Um, and then we start thinking about next year. Uh, now nah, we're going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, we'll talk about the playoffs. Um, it's just weird that the Saints aren't even relevant. I mean, I guess they're kind of partly sort of relevant. I mean, they're mathematically alive. So, I mean, you can't say they're mathematically dead. There are other teams that are mathematically dead already. So... And we did say their chances went from 1% to 2%. So there's that. I don't know. Let's make it, at least make it interesting. That's what I usually say. When it, when one of my teams is, I'm watching and I'm like, uh, you make a bet and you're like, they need to score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I'm like, at least make it interesting. That's all I ask. You know, we've suffered through this crap all season long. Just make it interesting. But as we go out today... On this, just we're preparing for the freezeth that cometh over on Thursday night into Friday. As we prepare for that, as we get our minds and brains mentally prepared for the cold, you should also mentally prepare for the official death of the 2022. New Orleans Saints, because there is an excellent chance 
that they are officially eliminated after this week. If they win, if they I'm sorry, if they lose and Tampa Bay beats Arizona, they are officially eliminated from the playoff chase. So make it interesting. But we know in the end, they'll be home for Christmas. So there you have it. Last year, we went out. I had to go think back at what we played for Christmas last year. I didn't want to duplicate. No, no duplication because this team isn't anything like last year's team. Last year's team was fighting its ass off to the last day of the season trying to make the playoffs. It was Meli Kaliki Maka. It was a happy song. Happy Christmas. This year, I mean, we're not begging the Saints to be home for Christmas, so it's kind of giving off the wrong vibe. We don't want to say, please come home for Christmas. We don't want, we're not saying, please don't make the playoffs, but we know you're not, so we know we'll be home for Christmas. Therefore, all right, I'm rambling on. I got to go. My vacation's about to start. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and holiday season. Uh, we will be back before New Year's. We will not have a show. There will be no Derry's Dime on Monday. I am going to be off, so we won't be back again until a week from Friday, which I believe is December the 29th, if my math is correct. Oh, no. December the 30th, I guess. Yeah, because this sun, that Sunday is, is January 1st. So we will see you on December 30th. Don't forget... Forget about the presents. If you haven't bought them already, well, that's that's your own problem. But the main thing that's important, it's not the Saints, it's not LSU, it's not football, it's not this, not it's not datitude, it's none of that. Remember what's important. And that's the ones that you love and the ones that love you. Don't forget to hug them, give them a little kiss, and even Aunt Mabel, eat a piece of that fruitcake, baby. She's been hot the last couple of weeks. Maybe you'll be hot this weekend. You'll get your own Christmas present from Caesars or FanDuel or wherever you make your plays. But we hope you have the merriest of Christmas. We will see you a week from Friday on the 30th. Peace and love, my friends.